But in that room, what's the number one thing you wanted to convey to your guys? That we stunk. That we weren't deserving of winning. I mean, you just tell them. I'm telling them. I told them what I'm telling you. No secrets. Okay. I mean, what are you going to tell them? It's okay. Or it's not okay. It's not okay to play like that. Full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. What a difference a week makes. Mm. Duke is no longer the number one team in the country. Our 150-game non-conference home win streak after 20 years <laughs> comes to an end. Uh, just uh, under 20 years, 19 years to be exact. Comes to an end. Uh, it was, quote-unquote, the biggest college basketball upset in history based on the spread in the game, 27 and a half points. There was a lot going on, and we'll touch on that at the beginning. We'll also talk about our bounce-back effort against Winthrop. Uh, we'll go into our favorite segment of the overreactions. After that, we'll talk about this season and the immediate aftermath, what is the most likely scenarios to happen, and then we'll wrap it up talking about Michigan State and my co-host, Virginia Tech Hokies. But <laughs> AC, we really got to talk about uh, the Stephen F. Austin game, obviously. Ugh. Do we, you know, do we have to? Do we, we have to talk about it? We don't have to. We can really just skip right past this. Uh, same oh, my God. But we got we got to take our lumps uh, like a man. And yep. it really, to me, it starts at the top where you have 22 turnovers and you shoot 24 or 40 from the line, 11 of 24 in the second half, which was actually the same field goal percentage and field goal attempts that we made in the second half. 11 of 24 from the line, 11 of 24 from the field, that is just not going to get it done. Um, 11 turnovers in both the first and second half. We had a 15-point lead. Pretty much anything that could have gone wrong went wrong, whether you talk about you know effort, execution, Coaching, you name it. AC break it down for us, dude. It sucked. <laughs> there you go. Break, breakdown complete. It sucked. <laughs> no. I mean, no, seriously, no, it sucked. And K K said in his press conference, they played better than we played. Every, everything, all all the right words were used, and everything else. It's just, man, like this team did not. They just could not pull away from the squad. And before this game, I I we had mentioned in the last podcast when we were doing this breakdown the preview for it. I'd mentioned that they had a six, 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 seven score. I wanted to see how this team could handle that type of guy. And we didn't handle that type of guy very well at all. We hadn't seen it really yet this year. We don't really have the defensive matchup for someone like that. And it clearly showed because between turnovers and free throws, as you mentioned, the other part of it was that kept them in the game. They could not Scott stop Kevon Harris. And that guy just kept going at and kept going at, I believe he had, well, he had like 20, almost 20 at the first half. Like the, the dude went nuts and we couldn't do anything about him. Second half, we played him a little better, but there was just nothing we could do with that guy. And the thing that baffles me the most is maybe they haven't worked on it. Maybe Kay, maybe he wanted to, to press his team and, and make them work out of their funk. But you know, if, you're, if you're trying to preserve a streak like this, if you're trying to do something, I'm shocked we didn't go zone at least a little bit. We tried for one possession towards the end of the game and they hit one three off of it. And then we kind of abandoned it at that point. Again, that was at the end of the game, though. But that one three they hit was 
the only other three they hit other than in the first half. They were two for 10 the entire game. That is not a three-point shooting right. team at all. Anybody saw that in the scouting report. I'm really unsure why we don't have at least like, even that old Brandon Ingram one, two, two zone in place, like something man, like to stop that middle drive penetration, because that was destroying our team this game. Yeah. To play devil's advocate, uh, just maybe one of the reasons is our defense to this game have been so good. So, you know, I think you try to keep building on your strength of, you know, our man to man defense for the first, you know, six games of the year was excellent. So, sure, and as and from a coaching standpoint too, yeah, I, I I absolutely agree with that take. You you want your team to kind of work it out. Like if if I was coaching that game, at some point I think I would I would think about the zone, but I would be like I want to see my team work out of this. And we every time out we came back, I would talk about what's happening, what you need to do to fix this problem, and let's just fix it. And but it just never got fixed, and it it was such a shame. And it's such a shame to see the streak go down the way it did. It, and not not to mention the 150 games non-conference, but then you have to go back to 1983 since the last time Duke lost to an unranked non-Power 5 conference team as well. That was 1983 against Wagner. So this, it, it sucks to see that go down like that. Like, I, you want your team to learn. I don't want them to learn at the, at the expense of something like that, man. That, that's hard. That's really hard to do. Yeah, and... You know, Coach K talked about it after the game. Uh, it was a really good press conference. If you haven't had the chance to, to listen, I encourage you to go to goduke.com and take a listen. Because he had a lot, of, a lot of things to say. One of the things was every single thing that they tried in their timeouts every mm-hmm. and at halftime, each message that they tried to give them, nothing yep. was resonating. Yep. You know, call it a hangover from the, the, the big Georgetown win that, you know, we loved. Uh, on this podcast, they they just didn't know how to handle winning. They didn't know how to handle the success. Yeah. And this was this was a huge ego check for each and every one of these guys because now they're going to be unfortunately known as the team that you know the streak was broken during. And yep, you know especially for a guy like Trey Jones, who his brother was a one and done, won a national championship, and this is your dream school, and you. You know, you, you lose in heartbreaking fashion to Michigan State uh, in the Elite Eight. You, you have <laughs> you're on the team that that, that breaks the the yeah. non-conference win streak. It's tough. It's going to be yeah. really tough for him, but he has to be the leader. And you, you can't have eight turnovers. You know, if you're training Jones and Correct. you know, I, I, I you know there was everything that could have gone wrong pretty much went wrong. But you touched on mm-hmm. the fact that Stephen F. Austin, as as good as they played, as good as Harris played with 26 points. You know, he was 11 of 19 from the field, but, you know, they were only 2 of 10 from 3. Usually yep. when you get an upset like this, a quote-unquote upset, the reason it's an upset is because you, you have a bunch of threes being made by the inferior opponent. That's not what happened here. We gave up nope. 64 paint points in the paint. And and that's... I, I'm I'm going to give... I want to give 70% blame on the perimeter defenders on that one, and then I want to give 30% blame on the interior guys, because at the very least, those guys on the interior need to be able to step over and make some kind of a play and some kind of an effort. And Jack White had been great all season with that, but he was being pulled away from the basket, leaving Vernon alone by himself down there to have to be the basket defender. It was a great game plan on Stephen F. Austin's part, and it worked like a charm because Vernon is not, he's not totally ready to be a sole lone post defender. And I don't think he will be this entire season, which is fine. Like we had other plans in place to make that work, but 
Jack and Matt Hurt were pretty much non-existent on the help on the interior defense. So it's one of those things, man. They they spread them out and just let Kevon go Harris go to work, man. And he they they did it. <laughs> they made it work. Yeah, there's there's really nothing more than we can say about this no. game. It was it was just it was pitiful. Uh, it was not easy to watch. It was um, again you, you can't go 24 40 from the free throw line and you can't have no, you 22 can't. turnovers and expect to win. And that's why we lost by. You know, if we if we change any of those things, we win the game. And one one free game, throw, one free yeah. throw regulation, and we're not even talking about Duke losing this trip. Correct. And you know, again, I don't even know how this happens, but all I can say is it has to be just contagious. You go 13 of 16 from the line in the first half. Yeah. But then you go 11 of 24 in the second half. It, it obviously is contagious because you have these guys. You're seeing a couple the game, you know, go out. Rim out a couple uh, here, a couple there. Then next thing you know, your teammates doing it. Uh, then the game pressure gets to you, and you're right. not prepared for it. And you got all this the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you don't know how to handle it. But this this blame goes on everybody, and that includes the coaching. You know, Vernon yep. Vernon Carey wasn't even in at the end of the game. Uh, you know, with with the chance to to win it. Uh, what did you think about that call? I would. I wish. I wish a timeout would have been called. I got the announcers mentioned. You know, K not using a timeout because he doesn't want the other team to set their defense. We knew what their defense was going to be. They play an amoeba press defense. Like, there's no, they have no scheme. The scheme is get the ball to Vernon. Like, Vernon would have been great. It's just, it's the same narrative from last year as why didn't we get Zion the ball down the stretch in big games, especially to end the season? Like, it's the same question. And, you know, I, I tried to defend K last year with the Zion thing. I, I don't know how I can keep defending not giving one of your best offensive players the ball at the end of games. Like, I just don't like, I mean, come on, man, Vernon has to be there. I mean, maybe he was, maybe he saw the free throw shooting issues Vernon was having and they would have gone with a, a hack of Vernon strategy or something, but you got to at least give that guy a chance to get on the line. Like he's got a decent stroke. He just, he wasn't great at the second half. Like, come on. Like even if they go to the hack of Vernon there, he's got two chances to make one. Exactly. So, two to make one. Yep. Uh, but Again, hey, look, there's a number of different things we could point to. Any one of those things happen, we we win the game. But as Coach K said, we weren't deserving of winning that game mm-hmm. either way. And so as shitty as it is that the streak ended, maybe it's better that we didn't win a, a game like that because it's full stone. And then he move over to our next play, which is the Winthrop game. So a rusty start. If, if 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 I if I'm Duke and if I'm a young team, this is the least surprising thing that's happened all year that we would start mm-hmm. slow against Winthrop. Everybody wants to say, "Oh, I hope they picked their ass in in you know practice and didn't allow them to have you know turkey and stuffing and all those things on Thanksgiving." Not really. These guys' ego was completely shot after this. They were coming in on such a high yep. into Tuesday night. They let that fool them into thinking that they're some kind of dominant team. They're not. They, you know, they're an, they're a, a team that's building, but then mm-hmm. you come in on the complete opposite end against Winthrop, and you want to kind of encourage your guys at that point. You want to boost their confidence. It's just the tail of the spectrum, tail end of the spectrums. One's that's too high, one's too low. We got to get back to to neutral at some point. Yep, and not to mention also Duke on a Friday night. Just want to point. Just want to continue oh, yeah. that narrative. <laughs> But no, no, you're you're exactly right. 
that that was that's kind of that's the the old go get them boys attitude like after a loss rally the wagons and go smash the other team and it just didn't happen number one winthrop is a really good three-point shooting team they led the nation in it last year they're up in the upper echelon again they know how to spread the floor on you our biggest clearly at this point we now know if we didn't know it before we 100 percent know now that our biggest weakness on defense is a team that spreads the floor that is that is a given I, I thought that wouldn't be that big of an issue because we have some good perimeter defenders, but clearly that is an issue because we don't have the interior defense to make up for it outside of Jack White. And let's not mention Jack only got eight minutes this game. Inexplicably, maybe maybe he maybe he needed to see some other guys in action. Other guys were playing better than Jack at times. Matt Hurt had a great game on offense. Joey Baker had a great game on offense, but I mean Jack Jack only getting eight and Javin getting sixteen. To me, it seems like a little bit of an overkill there. I don't know what happened there. I don't know the reasoning behind that. I'm not in practice, but you can only speculate. But we got killed again on interior drives and, and, and stopping the other team from shooting at a high percentage on the inside. We did a good job of limiting their threes. That's something that they do really well, and that's something that we had struggled with a little bit. We did do a good job of limiting their threes. We didn't do such a good job on interior defense, and that is now going to be the tail of this team whether they are learning a new scheme on defense, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on there because it does look a little different. So maybe they're in the learning phases of something with the defense on help side defense. But right now, the interior defense does not look good. That's a, once again narrative in this game because on offense, this team looked really good. On defense, we looked like trash. Yeah, it, it's really kind of – so I'm going to go back to the start of the year. We talked about how this year was going to be a test in patience. Mm-hmm. We we knew that this team was certainly not as good as being number one te- the number one team in the country, even though right. we had some fun with it. But defensively, we were pretty solid. But we did yep. say, you know, especially in our last podcast, that maybe our on ball defense was a little bit overstated. Mm-hmm. We had you know both Trey and, and Jordan, you know, as good as as much as we love Trey, he is being used so much on the other end that his defense is going to take a hit. It has to. There's no other place for it. To, it can't stay at that same sustained level. So right. it has to take a hit somewhere. And you're seeing it's not Luke Kennard Matador defense, but it's certainly, hmm. you know, not what we're looking for when we really don't have the rim protectors. Vernon's mm-hmm. done an admirable job uh, at protecting the rim. You know, he's right. you know up in, in the conference in, in block shots. But he's not a guy that is is ready to be that defensive stopper, uh, you know, when the when the defense breaks down. So mm-hmm. it is a little bit alarming that our defense is taking, you know, a couple kicks the last couple of games. But I guess on the positive note, we did have, you know, Matthew Hurt kind of break out of his little funk from from New York. So that was good to see. Yeah. Uh again, mm-hmm. Joey Baker, you know, came in, gave us a spark, uh, had a Career high night with 16 points, four or five and three. Those are things that we can, you know, certainly take positive from. But the other one, the, the elephant in the room was Cassius Stanley goes down. So yeah. now we got to talk about, you know, what does this team do going forward with, with Cassius, you know, likely out for the rest of, of this, you know, month of December. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, bottom line, guys are going to have to step up. And if any team in the past few years for Duke, can have that happen. It's this one because there is depth on the perimeter. It's also going to give some of these guys who are going through some confidence issues, Alex O'Connell, or maybe just need a little more time to show what they can do, Joey Baker. And 
even with the problems we're having on defense, maybe this is a chance for somebody like Jordan, Jordan Goldwire to show he really does deserve a few more minutes than he had gotten previous to this Winthrop game. So there's there's some opportunities for the, for guys to show something, and then that puts us in a good place for when Cassius does come back, and hopefully he doesn't get rushed back with what is appearing, appearing to be a hamstring injury. You don't want to rush that one back. So maybe that does give him some time to heal. Maybe it gives these guys some some chances to show what they can do because they're not worried about getting roped out of the game. And, yeah. you know, maybe we can, maybe we can, we can finally build something to case point. This team hasn't had a good game altogether yet all season long. You've had two or three guys with good games and then the rest of everybody just kind of filled in. We need, we, we don't need all nine or 10 guys to have good games with this team, but we absolutely need four to five guys having good games altogether. That's what builds a national champion. Every single one of Duke's national champions, five guys were having good games. Every you can look at other teams. You, I can guarantee you, those teams that win the title or at least are there in the Final Four, they have five guys that are having good games. So we need that with this team desperately. Yeah, and you know, the other thing Kay mentioned after the Winthrop win was a reporter had asked, you know, why there were limited minutes for a few guys, Alex O'Connell, Jack White, um, something about opportunities. Coach Kay was like, "No, look." These guys, they're all getting opportunities. It's all right right there in front of them. And we believe in every single one of them, but it has to start with, with him, mm-hmm. um, each one of them. You know, with Alex specifically, he only played six minutes in this game. He was 0 of 1 and 1 of 2 from, from the free throw line. Look, man, you're not going to play when you got – you're just not bringing anything to the table, so why would we play you? Because we and- feel bad for you. We, we really want you to do well, Alex. <laughs> But you got to believe it, man. You can't be throwing up shots that you hope to go in. You have to will them in at some point. And we need that. We need that from, from Alex. We have to have yeah. Alex be a part of this team. Um, you know, Wendell Moore is still trying to figure it out. You know, he's a turnover machine. You know, he only played 19 <laughs> yeah. minutes. He has zero points. He's just, you know, he was the man in, in Madison Square Garden. We're so inconsistent. These are all microcosms of this team as a whole. And that's why mm-hmm. we need four to five and six guys every night to play well on a more consistent basis. Because if we do that, then yes, we will be a, you know, a, a, a team that can contend for a final four at the end of the right. year. But right now that's just not who we are. We haven't really been that way all season. So it's not really that surprising. Next all right. Let's shift gears though, AC to our favorite segment, which is. I do like the segment. <laughs> the overreaction <laughs> or you're going to allow it segment. Um, what do we have on, on tap for the first one? Oh man, let's start off. Let's start off big. Let's just go big. The Stephen F. Austin loss is the biggest loss in college basketball history. Ready? Go. Uh, that <laughs> is an overreaction. Look, I understand <laughs> the Vegas had it, uh, as a 27 and a half point favorite. So by definition, that, uh, point differential, that point spread made it the biggest loss in college basketball history. Look, Duke was number one and we were at home. We were undefeated, and we lost to a non-conference team that may or may not make the tournament. But you know what? It's, it's an overreaction because, look, college basketball on the whole is completely imp- unpredictable this year. There's more parity than there's ever been. Uh, and I don't mean that in a positive way. I think that there are really no good teams. There are some good stories, uh, but there are some – I guess there are some good teams, but there's no really good teams. Mm-hmm. And that's really the difference here. So if there was ever a year that Duke 
was going to lose their non-conference home win streak. It was probably going to be with this team with this year. I think it was more uh, hand-scratching that we were able to make it to the number one team in the country than it was that we might lose our non-conference win streak. So, no, it's not the biggest loss in college basketball history. It, that's ridiculous. Um, you know, uh, Kentucky just lost to the Evansville that – that was a number one ranked team undefeated at home against a non uh, a non conference unranked team that has probably no chance of making the uh, the NCAA tournament. So like it's, mm-hmm. these things are going to happen more and more this year than any other. So no, it's not. It's not the biggest loss in basketball history. That was an overreaction. Uh, I, was, I totally agree with you on that one. It's that that line to me. Just I'll just add in this last little thing. That line was in, insane to me because this Stephen F. Austin team is, is better than that twenty-eight point line, and and we're not as good as that twenty-eight point line. So that, that was a little bit of an. I'd, I'd say that's an overreaction by Las Vegas as well. Yeah, the, you know. Again, all right. I want to move on. So here's the next one. Uh, after the, the, the last couple of games uh, and really how he's played uh, the last week or so, Joey Baker should be starting for Duke now, especially with uh, Cassius's injury. Over yeah, this is this one I'm allowing, man. I, it's so funny. We've we've been stacking Joey Baker overreactions and, and allowances for the past few weeks. It goes from transferring by December to having a role on this team to being a starter now it's amazing amazing what what a little time can do for somebody like him it's not always the same case for everyone but yeah no I, I I'm gonna allow that I'm gonna think with cash is out you have to think that at least Joey Baker gets a shot at that starting spot I don't think he's gonna secure it permanently I think when Cassius comes back Cassius deserves to get that spot again and quite honestly I think Joey's better coming off the bench anyway coming in with the other team's second rotation and second rotation defenders. I, I think he's, we're going to see that he's going to thrive a little bit better against lesser defenses than he is against seeing somebody's maybe number two or number three defender, even on their squad. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with that, but he definitely has earned the opportunity to try it. You know, he, he's slow footed on defense, so he's not going to help the defense right away. But maybe with some work on positioning and things, that's going to help him down the road for this season and beyond in his career. It's it's just a really good move for Joey Baker right now to to see this and to see first team defenses and to see everything else he can see as a starter. It's only going to help him in his career, at Duke. And I think I think all the talk of the transfers and all the talk of he doesn't have a role in the team. I think we're beyond that now. I think he has shown he is a formidable player on the squad, and if we can get two or three other guys on the bench to to up their game as well. Alex O'Connell looking at you again, then, you know, then this only helps Joey. So, you know, let, let's give him the start. I like it. I like it a lot. He's, he's proven it. He's shown that he is the floor spacer that we need on this team for sure. Look at the, look at his increased minutes and then look at the increase in Dukes, the uptick in their three point percentage uh, at this point. Now, I mean, we, at one point we were looking at, 30% from three, we have now already moved up 35%, and I can only see that number going up if Joey Baker has more time and gets good, efficient shots. So I like him in the starting spot. I'll allow it. Yeah, I will say this, too. He certainly earned it, and I do love, even though he's he's not there defensively, he'll, he probably never will be, but he, you can find him a little bit. But I do love his energy. He brings mm-hmm. in positive energy, and that's contagious. So yeah. I, I, I think that he's earned it, whether – or not, I believe he should be or not, is really irrelevant. He certainly earned it. Yep. 
that goes back to last year with that Louisville game with the uh, the very famous uh, "We're gonna do this." I still get chills every time I see that video. All right, man, let's move forward. I hate to keep bringing you back to this, but we had the 150 game non conference streak. That was the longest active streak in NCAA basketball. There's no real stats on if that's the longest streak ever, but you have to believe that's up there, probably with one of the UCLA teams. But will that 150 games ever be touched again by Duke or in college basketball? Overreaction, I'll allow it. Uh, I'm going to allow it. I I don't see that certainly in our lifetime ever being broken. Um, That, that, I mean, think about it. That stat is 19 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, a chance to make it two decades worth of non-conference wins uh, in a row at home. It's that's insane. And it's not like we were playing all cupcakes. Sure, obviously, there are going to be a lot in there if you have 150 straight wins. But they weren't all cupcakes. We brought in mm-hmm. top five, top ten teams in there uh, from out of conference that, that challenged us. And we were able to win every single time. Certainly in our lifetime, it's going to take another 15 years if active streaks, currently active streaks, are even going to sniff this. And with any other streak, they are also going to have that, you know, quote-unquote game pressure to keep it up. When you are the streak leader and you're setting the already, you know, to, to our knowledge, historical streak, you, you can just keep going. There's mm-hmm. really not that kind of game pressure. Um, but when you're trying to catch something – you're going to start feeling it because people are going to start asking you questions. And, uh, you know, so I don't think that that will ever be broken. It's a, it's a great streak. It was a lot of fun for 19 years for us to, to be able to have that. But at the end of the day, um, it's no longer with us, but it, it'll be a, a, another another record for Duke that, that, that we can hand our hand on. I'll allow it. All right, let's wrap this one up. We did see this one on Twitter, and you're look, you're our Twitter guy. Uh, five that's point podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're, um, if you're on Twitter and you're looking and you're seeing somebody respond to you on Five Point Play Podcast, chances are it's AC. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you 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 found something very notable, uh, where it was, and I don't know if it's a hot take or not. A senior Marquise Bolden would have been better for this team than a freshman Vernon Carey. Is that an overreaction, or are you going to allow that? I am. I'm definitely taking the stance of that being an overreaction. Uh, the 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 poster who submitted that one called it a, a hot take himself. But quite honestly, I don't. I don't 100 see it as a hot take. I see how you can make the argument, but it's a it's an overreaction. Vernon Carey is is having one of those historic type freshman seasons for Duke. You can't you can't discount what he's been doing, even though, yes, he's missed some rotations on defense. Yes, he doesn't play defense on the pick and roll as well as other big men in the past have done. Marquise Bolden, you know, most notably was a really good perimeter switch defender for Duke. He's one of the better switch defenders I've seen in in a Blue Devil uniform as someone that big. Like, he has good length. He has he had qu- decent quick feet for somebody like that. And he had, he positioned his body so well, plus he was going to get a shot block if, if a guard was going to try to shake it in on him. So yeah, I mean, I, I do think Quis was a good defender. I, there is nothing that he did that would have proven to me that he could do what Vernon's doing at the very least, the level at which Vernon's doing on offense. Like Vernon is an all American can- candidate right now. If Quis was to get to that level, he would have to greatly improve his offensive game which we never saw in his time here. And 
his defense would have to be sustained where it was. Plus, he'd have to be able to play more than 19 minutes a game and more than 20 games a season. That's the other thing we never saw from Queese, unfortunately, was we never saw a healthy Queese, and we never saw a healthy Queese who could get better throughout the season. He had flash games here and there. He never had sustained brilliance at all. It's hard to say Vernon has had that yet in such a short sample size, but you have to look at his potential and say, yeah, he's more than likely going to be a very key contributor for this Duke team from here on out. Plus, let's not to mention, his offense is so much more important than Queese's defense ever would have been. So I, I, I can't totally get down with that take that, that Bolden would be better off for this team than Vernon, but I, I, you know, it would have been nice to see a senior Bolden on this particular squad for that interior defensive help. And it definitely would have been nice to see a healthy Queese at, at Duke. It would have been something that would have, you know, would have been fun to see because the guy had all the measurables. So, you know, I'm not, don't, I don't want to, it's not like I'm trying to diss Marquise. He, you know, I wish we could have seen the true guy, but we just didn't. And we have seen at least probably 80% of the true Vernon Carey, and it has been incredible so far. So I, I can't, I can't get down with that one. Vernon has, is, is a great big man for Duke, and I'm going to leave it there. That was an overreaction. Yeah, you know, you know Vernon's also a hundred percent three point shooter. Uh, outside, <laughs> he had Marshall Plumley, right? Yeah, outside of Marshall <laughs> Plumley, that that doesn't happen with Duke centers. Um, you know, look, you know, I understand and I love uh, Marquise Bolden. I really wish he would have came back because um, I think we could absolutely use him this year, mm-hmm. especially on on the front line on defense. I'd love to see both him and Vernon because I do think that they could play together. But that's not that's not for here uh, or now. If you're only taking one of them. He's running carry, and it's not even a question. So, yeah. um, hey, that was our overreaction in your or your allowing segment. Let's move on to our next segment, which is the what's more likely to happen segment. And the first one is what's more likely to happen, AC? Trade leaves the ACC in assists, mm-hmm. which he's currently second, or he leaves the ACC in turnovers, Ouch. he's currently fifth, and we never thought we'd say that. In, the, in his last two games where he's had 13 turnovers, where do you think what's more likely to happen here? Leaves the ACC in assists, leaves the ACC in turnovers. <laughs> Can I say both? <laughs> no, I'm, I hope, I'll, I'll, I hope not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to go to the assist side on this one. I, the, the turnover side right now, he's fifth. There's, there's guys ahead of him who aren't going to handle the ball as much as he is, but they're also not adept passers like he is. And you're going to definitely see once the ACC season hits, defenses ratchet up and it, it becomes a, a more intense environment. So you're, you're going to see a lot of turnovers from a lot of guys who shouldn't be handling the ball. And I, I think that they will continue to overtake Trey in that regard. I don't think we're going to see a historic three and a half to one turnover ratio again from Trey. I don't know we're going to see that from any point guard for a long time, but definitely I don't think we see it from Trey anymore, but I do think with all the offensive weapons on this team with now a few more floor spacers on the, on the floor, helping keep things open and also giving more lanes for easy passes. I I think we see his assist numbers, if not say the same, even continue to rise a bit. And I I think we see his turnover start to calm down a little bit. We're not going to see a pressing defense like Stephen F. Austin again, outside of maybe Louisville. And, you know, we're certainly not going to see, you know, this this level of Trey Jones again for a little while, I think. So I'm going to I'm going to say that it starts to we start to see a little bit more of a separation there because I believe you texted me the stat. It was 124 assists, 122 turnovers right now. I, I think we'll see more of a separation out of those numbers. 
Yeah, you know, again, Trey Jones is asked to do so much this year. People forget that, you know, last year, his job was really to bring the ball up and pass it to whoever was, you know, open, RJ or Zion. And then, you know, that's kind of how it started. It was why his defense was so elite. And I think that he's being asked to do so much against uh, Stephen F. Austin. He played all 45 minutes of that game. You could tell he was clearly winded. But we're going to need him to do all these things. And so Mm -hmm. while I don't think that immediately his turnovers are going to come down, I I have to think that even though his usage rate will be one of the highest in the conference in the ACC, I, I don't see his assist numbers coming down at all. So to me, the, the, there's more likely of a chance of him leading the ACC in assists, but I still think he'll be pretty, pretty high in turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, second one is what's going to happen? Do you mm-hmm. get back to number one or they fall from the top 25? <laughs> so I'm, I'm staying consistent with the spoiler alert by the way staying consistent with what i'm going to say in this podcast i think duke gets out of this coming week unscathed and then moving through oh, december geez. i don't see any more losses for this team so i'm going to say it's more likely at some point we hit that number one rank then we fall outside of the top 25 there's there's plenty of teams below us especially in december december Mark your calendars for college basketball now. December is a huge month for big games in college basketball this year. We have you have UNC plays. You know they play Ohio State. Ohio State's got Penn State coming up. Washington's got Gonzaga. There's plenty of teams that are ranked ahead of Duke right now that are playing other ranked teams. Some of those teams are going to have to fall. Somebody's going to have to fall outside of that. And then you have other teams towards the bottom of the top 25, like Memphis playing Tennessee. Kentucky has Louisville. Some of those other teams. Those teams are also going to have to keep playing each other, and those rankings are going to keep dropping. You're going to see teams in and out of the top 25 all season. This is it, it's it's been the the Jay Billis cliche for 15 years now. There's parody in college basketball. There truly is parody in college basketball this season because as you as you mentioned a lot, no great teams this year in college. So I think it's more likely we see Duke steal some wins here and there and get themselves towards that number one rank. We get it. We have an opportunity for it to beat some big teams like Louisville, like UNC in our own conference. I think we'd, we have a better chance to get closer to number one than we do falling outside the top 25. Yeah, I could really flip a coin on this one. I, I, I'm i going to say that it, there's more likely a chance that we fall out of the top 25, just the way that this team, especially with Cash is being out. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, but we know with those hamstring injuries, they linger on. And his mm-hmm. best attribute is his athleticism. He was shooting at a high rate, especially from three. That's going to be taken away certainly a little bit because of what his legs provided him. Uh, his shooting is going to come down a little bit. Obviously, his explosiveness is going to come down. His confidence in what he can do athletically is going to come down. That's just on the cash side. The right. other part of this is Duke's going to have to learn how to play without him. Duke's also going to have to learn that they can't have efforts like they did against Stephen F. Austin and expect to win. Mm-hmm. And that's all going to happen with, even with the parity in the college basketball, you, you have, uh, you're going to play better opponents when you get into the college, uh, into, into conference play. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to play Louisville. Uh, we're going to play North Carolina. We're going to play Florida State. Notre Dame's going to be improved. Uh, Pitt's going to be uh, an improved team. We, you know, there, there are certain, we got to go to Michigan State. We got to go to Virginia right. Tech as our first ACC game. 
for uh, for a lot of these guys. So there there's going to be a lot of things that we need to work through, and, and we don't know what team's going to come out every single night for us. Yeah, you know, I mean, the saving grace with that, especially with Cassius being out, I will say, the saving grace is slated to get back in January, and we don't have any tests in, in December and January outside of this coming week. So we'll see. Certainly. And, I, and even if we lose both games, I don't think that that pushes outside of the top 25. Mm-hmm. But again, one more after that, and yeah, yeah you probably are. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's for sure. So I, I, I thought it was surprising to begin the year that we would ever reach number one. We did it. The chance of us getting back there again, I, I find a little bit hard to believe. But you never know. I mean, the other thing is, you know, think about Michigan. They had a big week in the Battle of Atlantis. Yeah, what a good um, week they had. And so they went from unranked to number four in the country. That That's mm-hmm. just the kind of year that you're dealing with yep. here, you know, in, in 2019-2020. All right, let's finish this one up. Now with Cash is out, who's who's the most likely person on this team to earn the most starts in his absence? I think it starts with Joey. I think it absolutely starts with Joey. I think his his ability to spread the floor coupled with I'm I'm presuming at the moment Matt Hurt moving into this Michigan State game, those those two being able to spread the floor allows Trey to have some lanes to work that pick and roll middle with with Vernon, open that floor up a little more and and really take advantage of what these guys can do. And then if we if we get our good Wendell Moore back, then that's just more room for him to operate down low without having to worry about double teams. So I, I like I like Joey starting as a floor spacer. I really do. I don't know that putting someone in who's offensively limited like Jordan Goldwire in the game would be a good idea. And Alex certainly hasn't earned it yet. So I'm going Joey. You know, I think that before uh, the injury, there were three people on this team that you could put in permanent ink in the starting mm-hmm. line. Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, and Tasha Stanley. Mm-hmm. They, you know, are their are top three scorers. They are the most consistent of an inconsistent group. Um, you, you probably have to, to assume that, that both Wendell and Matthew are, are, are kind of out of this topic because they probably will start. So you have to decide, okay, who's it going to be between Joey, Alex O'Connell, Jack White, and, and Jordan Goldwire. Uh, I, I personally have, have always kept the same stance on Jordan where I think he's a situational guy. Situationally against Winthrop, he was, he was fantastic, had five steals. Uh, Joey, I love coming off the bench, though. I love him coming off the bench. Uh, you made a point earlier about, you know, he, you know, you want to get him opportunities to see that first team defense. I think in, in college, though, uh, 40 minutes a game, you know, coaches are only playing six, seven, eight guys anyway. You know, I mm-hmm. think that he, I think that he knows who he is uh, and who he's going up against. So I don't think that, that is going to be as relevant. So to me, I, I, and, and I like Joey coming off the bench. I think that's the perfect place for him. He's had success there. He brings out, he brings in that energy, and I, I want to see that continue. But I do think he's earned more minutes. So I'm, I'm going to actually go with Alex O'Connell, and and wow, and I am. And I, yeah, I think that he's going to get the most. I, I just, I have to believe at some point he's going to snap out of this, and and I, I just believe for this new team to be where we need to be. Alex and Joey both have to be there. Joey has earned that six-man role where he's the guy coming off the bench. Alex has to take the bull by the horns here. You can't have this many opportunities handed to you and then not be able to take them and take that next step. I think that he, he's got to be hungry. I want to see it. 
Um, I think that he fits the best along with athleticism. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that he can shoot. He just has to do it. Um, so I, I like him to, to, to get the start tomorrow night. Uh, and I guess it'll be Tuesday when this when this when we see. I think he's going to start in Michigan State. So you know, give, give me Alex to get the most starts going forward. Uh, if he is earning, if if Alex is earning starts for this team, and and Joey is still playing at the level he's playing, and then we get That's a decent cash is back. This yeah, this team this team instantly does actually become the number one team in the nation. All right, uh, I do think that it is certainly good for this Duke team. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll say that. I think, I think Alex, <laughs> has to, Alex has to do it. Let's just say that. Alex yeah, has to yeah. Do it. yeah, if he's All doing right. it, I, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe this is the number one team in the nation if he is actually doing that. Next play. All right, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm rooting for him. I think we all are. Let's, let's, let's get it done. All right, so the big game this week, uh, our first big game, because they're both big games for this mm-hmm. game. There's going to be pretty much all of these games for Duke are going to be big games. So, But this is this is the one that we all had circled on our calendar. You know, a couple weeks ago was paid to be the number one versus number two, or at least yeah. a top five matchup, and now it's the number 10 versus number 11. Michigan <laughs> State now has a couple of losses to their belt. We just got beat by Stephen F. Uh, Austin. 10 versus 11, uh, we don't know the spread yet, to my knowledge. Uh, but, but, but AC, I know that you've, you've been steadfast in saying that even when you know they were number one, that, that we would go up to Michigan State and knock them out. I'm going to give you an out here. That was without knowing uh, that that our own Cassius was going to mm-hmm. be injured. So, has has your opinion or your mindset changed at all? It hasn't. It hasn't. I, the one thing that Mich- one of the few things that Michigan State really one of the few things they struggle with a few quite a few things, but they're they're not a good three point percentage defensive team, and we get a good Joey Baker and a good Matt Hurt in that game. And Mio May, God knows, a good Alex O'Connell. That's that's good news for Duke for sure. And that's all. That's been an, a staple for Tomazo in the past. Is not good. He his his defenses don't really perform well against good three point shooting teams. Last year they got the luxury of playing a horrific three point shooting team with Duke in the Elite Eight. So this is not that same squad. This team shoots better. I hope that they will shoot better. And I do believe that they will shoot better. On top of, they don't have a great interior defender to really stop running carry. They're going to have to double off on him, and that's going to open some things up for this Duke team. As bad as Duke has looked this week, Michigan State has not looked good this entire season. They, they're down a guy in, in, in Joshua Langford and Aaron and Aaron Henry, one of who I think is their best player. I don't care about Cassius Winston. He is their best player. He's been hobbled with a couple ankle. He he twisted two ankles in the same game on the same exact play. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like that happen. But he is he is hobbled by injury right now with those ankles. I don't know how he's looking yet. So they're going to need some guys to step up, and they really don't have a very deep bench. Rocket Watts has played a little better. Malik Hall is a guy I really like for them. He's six seven. He can shoot the ball. He's he's a, a battering ram, like we say about Wendell. So he's he's a tough guy to defend. He's just not consistent whatsoever. So there's nothing about this Michigan State team that says, yeah, they absolutely have just earned this victory because Duke lost to Stephen F. Austin. They're they're totally going to take us. I don't believe so. I think this Duke team is going to win, and I think we're going to win somewhere in the range of seventy five to sixty nine. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I've, I've been steadfast that I think that while a lot of the things that you just mentioned are absolutely factually true, we're going to come in. This is a game that they've had circled at the Breslin Center for 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 a while now. They they want they they. Angel idolizes Duke. He's always said it. The uh, Michigan State fans uh, just rip off everything that Cameron Crazies do. 
They've been doing it for forever. This is the game that they mm-hmm. wanted. I think the energy is going to be unbelievable in that building. You know, especially after last week, I don't know how we handle it, especially without one of our top three players being there. I think that's a huge blow to this team. Um, I think that I wouldn't throw Joey Baker into the fire in that starting role, which is why I think Alex will start in this position. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I do think it will be a, a tough game. It'll be close. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're pretty similar in, in you know, all the major categories. You know, we both shoot about 46% from, from the field. Uh, Duke has the, the slight edge and rebounds by, you know, a couple. Um, you know, they have a couple more assists. It, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic that they have a, a few older players, but I know Trey Jones is going to be looking to get some revenge on, on Cassius Winston. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be, you know, an 80 to 74 win for Michigan State. But I, I, do, I do think, you know, that some of those defensive issues that we've had in the last couple games, uh, they're not going to magically go away. And certainly a tough place to do it is going to be up at Michigan State. So, Can I mention that the last time we played Michigan State on December 3rd, we beat them 72 to 50. <laughs> well, just, uh, just to have some fun. Just having a little fun, folks. What, 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 when was it? <laughs> that was uh, in 2003. We beat them 72 to 50 in the Big Ten ACC Challenge up in the Breslin Center. And we had, we had some, some pretty oh, good Sorry, that was at Duke. I apologize. No, no, that was, at, that was in the Breslin Center. Yes, it was. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because the last time I believe they they came down to Duke was yep, was that and that was a freshman laden squad on that game in that game, or sophomore laden I should say that was JJ Reddick's sophomore year, and 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 it was a team that went to the Final Four, correct? Yeah, that that was a Final Four Duke team. So maybe that's maybe that's a sign for good things to come. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> um, all right, so a game that I know you have something on your calendar. I hate this game. The, is is another Friday night game. I know you love the Friday night ACC God. network. I know we love the ACC network. Oh, can't even wait. worse. Can't can't wait for the commercials in this one. Uh, <laughs> all right, so for Friday night, seven p.m. up in Blacksburg, your Virginia Tech Hokies, who are six and two and are one and zero in conference. Even though you said that they would not win a single game <laughs> in the conference. Uh, AC, why don't you break this one down for us? Oh, God. Uh, I hate this game so much. Uh, Duke on a Friday night, number one, so go ahead and take your unders and and, and know it. Duke is not covering. Let's just say that. But, no, in all actuality, Virginia Tech has – they have a tough team. They're just not a talented team yet. They're very young. The it's, it was a, it's a little bit of smoke to see some of the wins they've had early on, Clemson and Michigan State uh, most notably. Yeah, you have to work hard and you have to do some good work to beat the number three team in the nation at the time. But not a great Michigan State team, and it's in one of those pre-conference tournaments that you know teams are traveling. Everything else, you don't know what kind of issues they're having with that. Yeah, Tech did a good job. They play like a, they play almost like like a chameleon pack line defense. They they kind of they they match what you do, and they match the pack line to it. It's different from what Tony Bennett's traditional pack line is. They just they play what they do at Virginia, and that's the defense that they play. They don't change it for anybody, and it works for everyone. This this Virginia Tech team doesn't have the type of guys to run that type of defense. 
but they they copy some things. They copy the way certain teams play double hedge on defense. They copy the way certain teams, you know, double the post, things like that. So it's going to be a tough defensive game to play in a not great shooting environment. I'd like to see how our floor spacers do in this game. I think we do win this game. I don't think it's going to be a huge blowout. I think it's going to be somewhere in the realm of 67. Uh, I'm going to say in that 75 range, 75 to about 63. You know, one thing that they do very well is shoot the three. Uh, yeah. 43% uh, from the three on the season. They have five guys that are over 43% themselves on the year. And we all know historically uh, shooting at Virginia Tech is not easy. Uh, especially horrible place guy, to shoot. A horrible place to shoot. And uh, it, it's, it's tough for players that have never played there before to come in there and, and play well and shoot well. We know that Virginia Tech's going to be all amped up for that game. They always mm-hmm. are. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a really tough. We, we, this is a place where we've historically struggled as well. Oh yeah. So it is going to be a, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I really don't want to predict two losses in a row uh, on this podcast. So I'm not going to. Uh, but it, it will be a long scoring game. I think it'll be a, a win for Duke. They're going to edge it out, 71 to 68. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those are those are our predictions. It's going to be a, a big week for Duke. It's uh, two games that are critical to find out who we are as a team going into the month of December and into conference play. We play BC at the end of this month, but this is our first ACC game. Let's bear down. Let's get things going. Let's have some confidence. Let's go Alex O'Connell, Joey Baker, keep it up, and let's go Duke. Go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast, the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at Five Point Play Podcast and on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!